Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I feel the need to preface today's episode. It's a pretty heavy one. You can probably tell from the title, but today we're tackling fear, bitterness, resentment, what forgiveness can look like when our fears become reality, and how to live with a victor rather than victim mentality. Our guest today, Heather Lee, learns a lot of these things and pulls tons of wisdom and nuggets from her experience, which can be pretty scary for a lot of us to listen to and hear. Heather Lee shares about a day that changed her life 11 years ago when she was wounded after an armed robbery. So as your friend, I wanted to tell you that if you struggle with fear or anxiety, I would lovingly recommend you have a friend vet this episode for you. Have them listen through it once, see if it's healthy for you to listen to before you listen on your own, or grab a friend and listen to it together. So today, we are going there. She's going to walk us through that day, what she knew to be her final thoughts, and how she has healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually since. So without further ado, here is today's episode with Heather Lee Bramer. Well, hey, Heather Lee, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you today? Oh, I'm well, other than the fact that our AC went out last night. We got back home from a friend's house pretty late because we watched a movie and our house was 84 degrees. Oh, no. Is someone coming? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, here's the thing is like we've always lived in an apartment until recently. We just purchased a house. So we were like, well, who do we call like the landowner? And I was like, I'm the landowner. Like I <laughs> I have to call <laughs> someone now. Job. So <laughs> it's like the best and, and the worst at all at the same time. So, um, yeah. yeah, we have someone coming out today. So praise God. But um, my sweet husband's a, an engineer. So apparently the pipes were frozen and he went at 4am and unfroze the pipes and we have a little bit of air to get us through today. But yeah, but you said, how are you today? And I'm like, honestly, I'm, I'm a little peeved with my AC system. Yeah, I'm hot. How are you today? I am good. I sent my boys off to school this morning. It was my little one's first day of school, first day K-5. So oh, that is Precious. Busy, busy morning, but at no tears. Everybody was good. So that's always a plus. So overall, Pretty good. No complaints over here. Good. Oh my gosh, that is such a tender time. I have a few friends that are mamas that um, said basically that they're sending their kids off to K-5 and they were not okay and didn't expect to not be okay. So I'm sure that's just like a huge leap. Yes, absolutely. Well, he's done um, K-3 and K-4, kind of a preschool type thing. So it's not like his first day Uh, ever, but... um, his first day ever was awful, but this day, today he did very, very well. So yeah, it's just quiet around here. Good. You know? Yes. I'm used to the busyness and the crazy noises of two boys. So super quiet. Well, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Quiet. It's not always a bad thing. You know, especially right now when I'm trying to talk to you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this week is also another pretty big week for you. Yes. You absolutely. said when we were talking just communicating it's an 11th I believe anniversary of a pretty big event in your life yeah um this Thursday August 22nd um yeah pretty pretty life-changing event uh I was actually uh on this uh Thursday 22nd 11 years ago I was actually robbed at gunpoint and shot um 
but also survived that day. So yeah, big day, big day to celebrate on a Thursday for me. Yeah. I love the celebration behind it and kind of what the Lord has brought you through and I'm sure taught you a ton through it all. And so I just kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit because if I can be completely transparent, which is what this is all about, I um, struggle and tend to struggle with fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. of like the what ifs. And um, if someone asked me my biggest fear, like I would, I would say a couple of them Um, and not that I live in that place of fear, but whenever I, um, like let my mind go there. It's easy for it to just plummet and spiral and go there. And so I think what's so beautiful about your story and what all your friends had to say about you who recommended you for the show was that you have kind of seen the bigger picture and the bigger Mm -hmm. perspective and the idea basically that um, God is still in control and God's good all the time. And so if you don't mind, I kind of just want to dive into what that day looked like for you just to kind of give everyone a well-rounded picture of maybe that moment. What did that look like? Well, um, I actually um, was my husband and I, who was in the far, in pharmacy school at the time, we had actually moved home from, um, we were both in school in Columbia. I had graduated. We moved back home to our hometown and um, I was actually headed into work that morning. Um, and I had a degree and all, but we live in a small town hard to find a job around here with a history degree. <laughs> uh, so I went back to where I worked in high school, which was a dry cleaners just a few days a week because I was the only income at that point. So I needed, I needed some cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was supposed to be at, um, at work that morning at seven o'clock. My husband was on um, a pharmacy rotation in Columbia. So he headed to Columbia about the same time that I headed to work. So I was actually at work. Um, I would, we, I went in at seven and everything happened. Um, the first encounter I had with a man, he came in um, around 1030, um, 10, 1030 that morning. Um, but I had no idea how the rest of that moment was going to go. So my first encounter with him was very pleasant, uh, which is odd. Um, but when he came in, he came in under the pretenses of needing help with ordering a suit and a tuxedo and all that, which we did. Um, and was, he was very nice and, you know, just very kind to me. I had absolutely no suspicion over him whatsoever. So it started out like a normal day, but it didn't end up that way. So, um, yeah. So no suspicion, no big deal. When, at what point did it turn into like, Mm -hmm. oh no, this is trouble? Uh, well, he actually left. He, um, he filled out, he gave me like information, which was crazy. He, gave me a name and an address and filled out like an information form to place an order. And, um, he, he left and I thought, you know, I was kind of done with him for the day, but then he came back. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, why is he back? Like, I don't, you know, I've helped him as much as I can at this point. Um, and then he came back in and he was telling me how he had changed his mind about some things that he had ordered. So when I bent down under the counter to pick up his information, when I looked back up, he actually had pulled a gun and uh, was pointing it at my face and then started to make his way around the counter. Um, That's when, I mean, you talk about people, you hear about people having like those out of body experiences where they feel like they're kind of looking in on what's Mm -hmm. happening. Um, I could say that that is what it felt like because it almost like I was trying to tell myself to wake up like this wasn't real, that this wasn't happening to me. Um, like, because you never think in a million years that you're going right. to be that person that ends up on the news or 
have a story like this. But yeah, he started to walk around the counter and kept the gun pointed at me at that point. Uh, why did it turn so violent, do you think? Um, he came around and he looked at me and he, it, it felt like, and I felt like he wasn't the same person that I dealt with mm-hmm. earlier, if that yeah. makes sense. Like I felt like there was no life and nothing in his eyes. They had just got a new spirit was a part of him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think to, to be able to do that to people, I think you have to carry an evil spirit. Like, I think it's just, it's there and it showed itself. Um, and I know that sounds crazy to some people, but when you look at people that do things like that and you look in their eyes, you can mm-hmm. see things like that. And I could definitely see it. And he came around the, the counter to where I was and kind of got in my space. He didn't touch me. At this point, um, physically, he just was aggressive with holding the weapon and moving it and his tone and everything. And he said, you give me everything that you have or I'll kill you. And Tears I was just, just like running. Like I wasn't like sobbing and hysterical, but I was terrified. And he said, I need you to give me all the money under, you know, out of the register, whatever you've got, you know, and I know there's a, a call button. And if you push that button, I'll kill you. They'll never make it to you. I mean, it was just, you know, yeah. threatening. And so I... And I had always heard just to when someone comes in and adds you like that, you, you kind of want to keep them calm and to, to do what they ask you to do because no amount of money or thing is worth your life. And so that was where my mind was. And we walked over to where the register was and I pulled all the money out the door. It was all computerized. And he took that. He took a change star off the counter. He took um, what little bit of money was in the safe there, which wasn't a whole lot in the grand total of things. And, um, I, he was standing there getting his stuff straight, you know, shoveling stuff in a bank bag. And I was standing there watching him do this. And I remember just saying, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, like over, over, not super loud, but just enough. I was standing there crying and that's all I was. And as I said it, he, it's like his eyes shot up and it was like he looked, had like a look of panic. Like I had said something wrong. Um, and he looked at me and he said, you, you don't say those words to me. You, you, you don't talk like that. I, I'm not going to hurt you. you. You need to calm down. And I stood there and I was just saying, thinking, what did I say? Like, what did I do? You know, all yeah. I said was, oh God. And then I, I look back now and I realized I was calling for help. And, you know, we go back to that, him having that spirit within him. And, you know, at that moment, I think that that spirit within him recognized who my God was and that I had called for him and that whatever was planned wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, I look back now and that's what I I remember that. And I know that that's what happened when I called for help. He came, you know, Um, definitely my rescuer (laughs) in my time with me. 100%. Wow. 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 And the story kind of doesn't even end there. It's more so that he didn't, I I mean, he didn't really leave you in a safe place either. No. And, um, he said, you know, after we, he told me to calm down and to stop talking like that, he, he said, okay, you need to go to the back of the store. And, uh, where I was at, there was a long walkway to the, to the back of the store. There's a door back there. Um, and it was all carpeted and, um, we began to walk down the aisle, and as I walked, he had actually fired the gun in his hand uh, three times, and not at me directly that I know of, um, but I remember hearing the gunshots behind my back, like, 
and just flinching because um, I didn't know if it was coming at me, if he was just going to shoot me in the back and leave me. Um, but I had everything in my brain that I wasn't going to walk out of there. Like I just knew, because you know, you see movies and you see shows and you see things like this happen and you, you just, in your mind, the reality kicks in and you're like, I'm never going to leave here again. And I started to cry and I started, you know, I was crying already and I was prayed because for me at that moment, I thought, okay, if I don't walk out of here, where am I ready? Am I ready to go? Where's my heart at? What, you know, where am I at the Lord? And I just prayed, Lord, let me be ready. Search my heart, God. You know, and, and it was quick. And I was praying because, you know, forever is a long time. Eternity is a long time. And I wanted to know that if I slipped out of this world, that I was going to be with in Jesus, heaven with yeah. Jesus. Like that is that was my main priority at that point. Yeah. And so we walked to the back of the store and he said, you lay down. And I laid face down on the floor. And I felt like I laid there forever. And it just got quiet. And I said, okay. And I was continuing to pray. And I said, Lord, you know, my mom, if I don't walk away from here, is my mom going to be okay? Because she was a single mom. She raised us by herself. Is she going to be all right if I don't get up? My husband, Alex, what was the last thing I said? God, make it good. Please let it have been good. Let him move on from here. Is he going to be all right? I mean, all those things just run through your mind when you're there like that. You really think about the last thing you said and the last thing you did and how you made people feel. And you, I didn't want to walk out of this world with any regrets that I didn't do or say everything I needed to do, that they knew how much I loved them. And it got quiet. And then all of a sudden I felt I heard and I felt the gunshot. Wow. Um, what he had done was he actually stood over me at like point blank range and he fired the gun and he put a bullet in the base of my skull and left me there. Um, Heather Lee. And then he left. He walked out. Yeah. And everything went black at that point. Did you, I mean, did you get help because so, someone just came and maybe heard what was happening or were you able to call for help? Um, I remember I, and it was funny because everything went black and my ears just began to ring, but I felt like I was conscious, even though it was knocked out. I remember being able to think some mm. things like, is this what dying feels like? Am, am I dying? Like when I wake up, where am I going to be? And it felt for me only like five minutes at the most. But I found out later between the time of the shooting and the 911 call that was made, it was like 45 minutes that I laid there. And I remember just waiting for what came next. And all of a sudden I opened my eyes. My head was pounding. My ears were ringing. But when I looked, I was still on the floor. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm still I'm still alive. But I didn't move immediately. I, I was waiting because I was like, maybe, you know, is he still here? How long has it been? You know, and I listened. And it was quiet. And I was like, okay he's not here. I've, I've got to get help. When I tried to move, my entire body was just numb. And it, you know, every limb that I had felt like I had basically fallen asleep. Like it was just dead weight, which was scary. But I was like, I got to get, I've got to get help. I've got to get up from here. And I started to wiggle my toes and wiggle my hands and my feet. And I realized that I could move them. And then I got feeling back and everything once I started to move a little bit, but I couldn't stand up. 
because my head was just pounding. I was dizzy because where the bullet was actually placed was kind of the visual part of my brain, and that also controls your equilibrium. Oh, yeah. So I could not stand up. So I began to crawl. I started crawling to the front of the store. And as I crawled, I heard the front door open and I froze and I was in my mind. I thought he'd come back and I was scared to even look up. Um, but when I looked up, there was a woman there and I don't know what her name was to this day, but I just started crying to her. <laughs> I said, I need you to help me. I've been shot. I've been robbed. And I just cried out to her. And I mean, she just was like, oh, oh okay, I'll get help. And then she leaves. And I thought that she left me there. <laughs> I was like, no, come back. I think that at that point too, you would want to go like and have the company. You know, I think you have always felt so lonely. And even with him as the company, it was not the company you ever wanted. So I think maybe even just like to see a woman (laughs) and someone there that maybe had a face that was fresh was refreshing to your soul. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she did. She, she wouldn't call 911, but at that point, I didn't know that, and I thought she had just left because she was scared, which is understandable. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Um, so I was like, well, I have to do this myself. I got determined. <laughs> so I crawled to the front, and I realized he had left all of my personal stuff. I had my laptop up there, my cell phone, my purse, my wallet. He didn't touch anything other than the money that he took. And I tried grabbing my cell phone and I could not, I, I just was, I reached up on the counter to grab it and I couldn't dial the numbers because they were so small. So I crawled to the other counter and I grabbed the phone there and then I dialed 911 myself and got the dispatcher on the phone. <laughs> um, and I just started crying to her that I, she's like, 911, what's your emergency? You know, it starts out so yeah. pleasant. Well, then I just started going, I've been robbed. I've been shot. I need your help. And she's like, you've been robbed. I said, yes. Well, then I hung up on her. Goodness. And she called me back and uh, she said, I need you to stay on the phone with me. I know you're afraid. Um, help is coming. Can you hear them? Help is coming. I can hear sirens. And she said, I need you to talk to me. Bless your heart. Please just talk to me. And so I talked with her until um, the policeman came in and then the um, EMTs, um, they met me on the floor um, in the front of the store. Oh, my goodness. So just because I feel like I'm such a justice seeker, (laughs) I'm like, where is he now? I mean, did they they Uh, ever figure out who he is or, you know, is is he in prison? I'm just, I mean, my mind's like, please tell me that. I mean, hopefully, one, he got to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was an encounter with God, you know. But at the same time, like, please tell me there's some kind of justice. Um, well, so far, unless the Lord has enacted his own justice, which he will one day, um, he's never been caught. Um, we don't know even who he is because all of his information was fake. Um, so, yeah, as of right now, um, I have no idea where he is or if he is in prison, or if he's still even alive. Um, I pray that he's found Jesus, because you just, no matter who people are, or what they've done, or how bad it is, or what they've done to you, I I just have this belief that nobody deserves. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I just, I don't. It's a terrible place, and I don't want that for anyone, even him, um, which is crazy to say, but 
I don't want that for him. I, I hope and I pray that he found Jesus and that he's found redemption and forgiveness and all of that. And that, you know, something has changed within him because I just, like I said, hell's a terrible place. And that is not something I want for anyone, no matter, no matter who they are. We all deserve grace and we all deserve forgiveness. Um, we've all sinned and fallen short. And some, we might feel like some sins are worse than others, but at the end of the day, um, he died for all of us. So I just have to hope that he has at this point, uh, or if he's in this world still, <laughs> that before he left this world, that he has found the Lord. I really, I mean, that is a prayer that I've had for him. Was that a process you went so. through or did you almost feel like immediately you had that grace for him? Um, not immediately. Um, when I came out of the hospital, um, it was, I was in the hospital for six days and in the midst of being at the hospital, um, my first reaction was, um, you know, the fear kicked in that he was going to come back. I was afraid. And, um, and then I was paranoid and I didn't want to be left alone. I mean, those were all natural things. Yeah. And then I got angry. I mean, that he didn't even know me. He didn't know who I was and anything about me. And he tried to take my life. Like, why me? Why did he pick me? What did I do to deserve this? Like, I just, I was angry with him. And then, you know, people began to tell me, well, you're going to have to have counseling for this, and which is nothing wrong with counseling or medication. And there's nothing wrong with medication. You're going to need this and that. You'll never be the same. And you're going to have post-traumatic stress. And I was hearing all this stuff just coming at me. And I am a huge believer in the power of the words that we speak over ourselves and other people. And I was hearing all this stuff about how I was going to always be afraid. How I was always going to be angry. I was always, I said, no, I don't, I don't want to. I rebuke that. I don't want to live my life angry. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you will not tell me that. Like, I don't want to live afraid. I don't, want to live with unforgiveness and bitterness because I mean, what kind of life is that to walk around in fear and angry and paranoid and anxious every single day? It's not a life. And I knew that the Lord had delivered me for a reason and it wasn't for me to sit around and be bitter and angry. And I can't, I couldn't share what the Lord had done if I was still harboring feelings of unforgiveness and I just, I just couldn't do it. And so at that point I had to make a decision and it was a decision I've had to make every single day over and over again. I mean, I think you, you can forgive someone, but you have to wake up every day and remember that you did and that you're still going to. And I do every day, especially right now when it becomes fresh, I have to remind myself that I've let him go. Um, and then I want him to have that power in my life because when you harbor unforgiveness you give the person that did the wronging all the power yeah they have a permanent place inside your brain and in your spirit and I didn't want him there yeah and so I had to let him go and let and let it go to be able to heal how I needed to heal so it was a process for sure yeah it's good someone once told me um unforgiveness is drinking the poison you meant to give to them And it's basically like doing yourself more harm than you think that you're actually causing them. And at the end of the day, like if we believe that Christ died for our sins, then who are we to ever not be able to extend that to somebody else, knowing that what we've done full and well 
to our Savior, whether that's ever doubting him or ever speaking against him or ever getting in his way when we think he's not quick or fast enough or doing the right thing. I mean, like how offending is that to him? So how much more like could we maybe extend that to somebody else? And like you said earlier, it was was perfect. It was like I, you know, I can – I can go through this and I can tell my story, but if I haven't forgiven him, that's not fair because then the story almost turns about Heatherly and what Heatherly went through rather yeah. than what Heatherly went through. And then the hope that Jesus has inside of it all. Yeah. So the story of forgiveness is amazing. Yeah. No, it's that someone told me that you couldn't hold up a banner of victory and be a victim at the same time. Ooh, that's good. And it stuck with me because I was like, it's so true because you can't, you can't say that you're, you know, that you've overcome if you still are the, you're still saying it, well, I'm their victim. So I don't, I don't like people to refer to me as a victim of a violent crime. I'm a survivor. Um, I'm an overcomer. Um, it's a miracle. I don't ever like to be called a victim because that gives the power back. And I don't want that. And by holding up that banner of victory, I'm also talking about how good God is. Like, if I stay a victim, then I say what he's got for me isn't good enough. If I stay a victim, I'm, I'm saying his deliverance was incomplete. And I don't believe that because God doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't go 75%. He doesn't go 90%. He goes 100%. And, but I have to do my part too. And it's a decision that you have to make. It can be hard, but it's, you have to say, no, I'm going to be more than this. I'm going to do more than this. I'm going to, Lord, use this for a reason. And then you've got to let him use you, which is all I've ever wanted him to do with me in this whole situation is use it to bring him glory and to help other people. And I mean, I never want it to be about me ever. Like I always wanted it to be about him. So good. And Philippians 1.6 says, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in us will see it to completion until Christ Jesus. So there's that promise. <laughs> I mean, we have a promise that it's, and it's still yeah. in motion. There's still a miracle in motion. Like we still haven't seen all the fruits from this. Mm-hmm. Praise God. You know, like to think that, look at all this healing and look how far you've come in 11 years. And to think that 11 years from now, they'll even be like more so double portion tenfold of what this story will bring about in yours and other people's lives. And so I just bless you. And it's funny because, I mean, we all have fears of our own. So like for me, if you had asked me in high school, like what's your biggest fear? I'd say losing a parent. And then I lost my dad. I I mean, probably two months after that question was asked to me. And and so now walking through that fear and walking through the fear come true, I'm standing on the other side of it eight years later saying, but I'm okay. Like that really hurt. And I would never choose mm-hmm. that for anybody else, but I'm okay. Yeah. And I and I love the life that I have, and I love what the Lord's yeah. done through it. And I think I hear that in you similarly. Like, mm-hmm. that was probably one of my biggest fears. I don't know if I would have known to say it was, but because I didn't even know it could happen. But yeah. here I am sitting on the other side, and yeah. I'm okay. What has that healing process looked like for you as far as fear? Let's dive into that a little bit more. Like, since then – and you said you kind of had some paranoia and maybe some trauma afterwards. And maybe so you're jo- dealing with it today. But I just kind of wanted to pull back the veil on fear. And what? how does that play out maybe in your family, your marriage, and life today? Um, at first, um, like I said, when it first happened, I was in the hospital. And um, 
I had gone through, you know, the process of getting to the hospital and, and being checked in and all that. And it was kind of a whirlwind. And then when things got settled, the fear kicked in and I, I panicked. And my husband will tell you, because we were in the ER and there was just, it was just me and him and a nurse. And I was getting prepped for surgery. And I remember talking to Alex, that's my husband, and saying, he's going to come back. He knows I'm not dead. Like, I panicked. I mean, and it was a full-blown, like, I couldn't control it. And um, he looked, he was trying his best to calm me down. And I thought the nurse that was there with me, she, she was, I didn't think she was paying attention to the meltdown I was having until she stopped and she got down on my level and she grabbed my hand and she looked at me and she said, I need you to listen to me real sternly. And I was just like, you know, what in the world? And she looked at me and she said, the Lord is not giving you a spirit of fear, mm. but of power yes. and of love and of a sound mind. You need to calm down. It's going to be okay. And in that moment, I had peace. And she, you know, I'm so thankful she was obedient in that moment because she didn't know me or what I believed, but she, the Lord prompted her to share that with me. And that verse stuck with me all throughout my journey and still does. Like I had, you know, at the time we were staying with my mom when all this happened, we went back to her, her house and she wrote it on a board for me so that I could see it and I could say it out loud every single day. Because I think there's so much power in the spoken word. Amen. Yeah. And it's not just words on pages, but when you speak it out loud, there's so much power in it. And for me to say over and over again, the Lord isn't giving me fear. He's giving me this and this and this. And to say it out loud, it's empowering. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want the doors open. I wanted everything locked. Um I wouldn't stay by myself. I had to go at the time. My sister was a stay at home mom and I would go and I would stay with her. Literally. I had a babysitter at 23 years old. I could not be by myself. I didn't want to. I was very aware of the world and what it was like. I didn't want to be left in the car alone. I wouldn't check the mail. All these things that just, that fear just sucked my life dry at that point. Like it was taking things from me. I was dependent on everyone. And, you know, you just finally, you get, I got tired of having to do that. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to live like this. Mm -hmm. This isn't a life. This isn't a life. I'm 23 years old. (laughs) I've only, I mean, I was a newlywed. My husband and I have been married less than two years. You know, I still considered us newlyweds. I know, but this isn't a life. And I was like, Lord, help me. Help me do this. Help me get through this. Help that let this be for something. Lord, please let this be worth it. Don't let it be for nothing, but I can't do it by myself. And it took time, but eventually I was good with having the front door open or being in the car by myself or, you know, not having to have someone surround me all the time. I could sleep at night and it wasn't a problem. Like, and it's taken years, and I can remember, oh God, probably three or four years ago, I went to Walmart at night by myself. And I remember coming back to my car and sitting there and getting in, and I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I just went to Walmart I at night that. by myself. Yeah. And to some people, that's not a big deal. But for me, I was like, holy moly, this is awesome. <laughs> and I would have never done that you know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, 
Um, I just spent my first weekend at home by myself without my husband and my boys. They went on a camping trip. I mean, and these are all things that seem small to other people. But to me, it's it's a big deal because you you think it when something like that happens to you that you're never going to get there. And then when you get there, it's like, wow. And then you just want to celebrate it. And it is something to celebrate, you know, overcoming things like that. Celebrate. It might seem silly to people if you celebrate going to Walmart by yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I definitely. was like excited. I was excited about it. So it's been a process. Yeah, absolutely. And there are days where the devil likes to come at me and remind me of what the world's like. And I just have to repeat the words. The Lord's not giving me a spirit of fear. And I do. I repeat it out loud and I repeat it until I have that peace. Hmm. And it has stuck with me. It has stuck with me for sure. Yeah. Sometimes I ask myself, I'm like, why is it that I, it's so easy for me to cling to fear. Like it's so easy for my mind to be there and it's almost like I have to conquer it or overcome it with joy, right? Rather than like the opposite when I, yeah, I've just kind of struggled through like, why is it easy for me to go to fear? And I think it goes back to maybe this belief of like, well, if I'm aware of all of my circumstances or I'm aware of all of the potential situations, I'm strong because I'm ready, which is not true. And like scripture Mm -hmm. says that the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the fear of the world is my strength and not maybe like the, Mm -hmm. I don't know, awareness of the world is my strength. It is the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm -hmm. So celebrating small things and knowing that we're victorious and having dance parties and like with our kids knowing or being able to like not maybe carry this fear into a new generation and they they would see hope in the world rather than Mm -hmm. the hurt in the world. And things like this is what gives us strength Mm -hmm. in Christ. And so how do you feel like you walk that out with your kids now? Like what is, what does joy look like in the Brammer household? Oh my gosh. Um, my boys, my husband, they're the light of my life. Absolutely. Um, People ask me if I've told my kids about what has happened and that, you know, I haven't shared that with them. And I told them, I said, I want them to see the world as a beautiful place for them. I don't ever want them to be afraid of what the world is like. I want them to love people for who they are, no matter what they look like or what they believe. I want them to find joy in everything. I don't want them to walk around questioning if something bad's going to happen. And so they right now they don't know what happened. but. Um, we have dance parties and we laugh and we begin our day. And this sounds, my, my friends repeat it now. We begin our day. We'll be on the ride to school and we'll say, I'll tell them, I'll say, today is a what? I said, today is a good day to what? And they'll say, have a good day. Um, we do that together. They know it. We repeat it. And so we go ahead and we plan on having that good day. Um, I can't, you know, I look back and I think of how different my life could be and the world could be without these boys here because, you know, even my oldest is a miracle in itself because when I came out of the hospital and I was dealing with migraines and things, which I did, uh, I was on medication and all of that or to control that. And on that medication, you cannot be pregnant at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to choose. I had to choose whether or not I wanted to risk the pain and have a baby or give up the baby and no, I wouldn't have the pain. And I just prayed, Lord, I don't want to have to make this decision. So we made the call that we wanted to have that, have a baby and start a family. And as you know, I, I don't take anything for migraines. I don't suffer with headaches anymore. 
I didn't have any complications while I was pregnant. Like I had, you know, it was a beautiful experience. And the Lord just, I, I put my trust in him and he came through again with my oldest. And I can look at him, both of my boys, every single day and know that there are miracles born out of miracles. And so that's joy in my life. Absolutely. And um, I've always said, too, that fear steals your joy. And so I try to make this place safe for them and happy for them. And I pray over my children. They know that we they will pray over little things that they know to pray. I mean, it's just I want them to look back on their childhood and know that this was a happy place, a joyful place, not one that was built from sadness and fear and paranoia. That's not a life for them. I want them to, like I said, look at the world as a beautiful place. No matter what bad's going on, I want them to find the good and the joy in the situation that they're in. So that's why I always tell them today is a what? Today's a good day to have a good day because you're going to have to find sometimes try to find the joy in your day. But there's always joy in every day. No matter if it's a bad day, there's joy in every day. So that's what I try to teach them. And this kind of stuck so far. Yeah. Joy is not based on circumstance. That's happiness, right? So that's so cool that your kids are learning that because mm-hmm. right. I don't think I learned it till college. <laughs> so grateful for mamas like you <laughs> and mamas like my mom that point yeah. out the joy in every day. Yeah. Wow. Well, do you feel like there's anything else that you would want people to know from the story that maybe we haven't covered quite yet? Um, just that uh, when you go through things, um, you just sometimes things like that, even anything hard, it's kind of hard to find that joy, find the good um, in the situation. Like, Lord, what was the purpose of this? What was your plan in this? Like, and yeah, you want to know that, you know, he delivered you in the miracle and all that. But then there's that part of you that's like, what is this doing for me? Um, and when I tell, when I share my story and I, and I'd be, you know, I can't not share this part. Um, and I said before, my mom is a single parent. She raised us by herself from the time I was probably 11 years old. And I have two older siblings. My dad was completely out of the picture. He kind of took off. Um, but when I got shot, um, at 23 years old, it had been 12 years. I mean, he missed my wedding, my college graduation, everything. When I got shot, he came back. Um, and there was in the middle of healing physically, we were able to have healing there as well. And not only for me, but for my siblings, for my mom, that none of us that we ever got it. And so we were able to build, you know, a relationship as best we could. And, you know, I always tell people that I'm so thankful for that because in 2011, my dad died. Um, of a massive heart attack. I had only, you know, we'd only been back together for a few years. Um, but he passed away. And I look back now and I think, Lord, if I had never gone through this, if this had never been part of my story, would I have that healing with him? Would I have that closure? Would I have, you know, the knowledge that we were okay, that he loved us, we loved him, and it's all right. And I don't know that I would. And so if for nothing else, and I, people think that I'm crazy, I would go through all of what I've been through to have that. Just with, if it's only that healing with him, with my dad, if it was only for that, I would do it all over again because I'm so unbelievably grateful oh, that's so good. that I have that, that I don't live with that regret. And so I guess 
for me, it's sometimes, you know, people to know that you can be going through this really terrible thing, this hard thing, and you just can't see the Lord working. But just know that He is. He's always working on our behalf. Always. And sometimes it takes a little while to look back and see exactly where He was. But there is, you know, every time I speak and I write down things, the Lord shows me exactly where He was. And I mean, even I can hear it in my brain Him saying, Look what I did there. Look what I did for you. That's where I was. Do you see me right there? And sometimes you have to do that. Like, where did I see God in all of this? And if you're going through a hard thing and it's hard to see the light in the tunnel, it's hard to get to see the other side that's coming because there's another side coming. There is joy in the morning. It's coming when it's hard to see it. Try to see where you are and find God in it. And that's going to get you through because then you're going to realize because he was there and he was in it. He's waiting for you on the other side, too, and it's got bigger and better things for you. Like I said, he doesn't ever do anything halfway. He doesn't leave us broken, ever. Everything he does is for our good, and like I said, it wasn't healing just for me, but for my family. Like, he worked what happened with, you know, with me, and he worked it out for them, too. So he's, you know, it just amazes me, the details and the things that he did for me that I didn't even know that I needed. Um, and that's just one of the things. And so, yeah, super grateful for more than just the physical healing, but the emotional and the spiritual healing that came along with, and it still comes every single day that I'm able to get up and breathe in and out. Mm -hmm. Wow. Heather Lee, you brought us to church. I'm so grateful for you. (laughs) I'm leaving with this whole new pep in my step. I'm like, let's go Monday. Okay. I know. Way to crush this Monday. We did a good job. We did do a good job. I'm like, it's coming out on a Wednesday. So people listening are like, Monday? What are they talking about? But we're recording and it's a Monday. Um, Hey, just to to end the conversation, one of my favorite ways, we ask our guests, what are you loving these days? Maybe what are you listening to or reading or eating that you feel like people just have to know about? Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. What a question. um, (laughs) That's hard because I like to eat all the good food. Um, let's see. Um, as far as what I'm doing right now, uh, what some people know about me and some people don't is I'm a beach body coach. So um, I, this happened within the past two years. And so I absolutely love exercise. My quiet, I get up and I have my quiet time with the Lord in the morning. And then I get up and I, I do a workout every single day. Um, and that has become a huge part of my day. Love that part of my day. It's my time with the Lord, my time with myself. Um, it helps with anxiety and it helps with stress. And so that has, yeah, that's a huge part of who I am. And um, the Lord has opened that door for me to be able to use that as a platform too, to share my story, but also do that. So I always say you work on your spirit man and your physical man at the same time. Yeah. Um, as far as listening to, um, I listen to a lot of kids' music. I don't know what radio is anymore. It's <laughs> uh, uh, like, what is popular music? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My most recent reads that I have fallen in love with, and these are not brand new books, but um, I've become a huge Bob Goff fan. Um, his Everybody Always and Love Does. Um, read through those, and now I'm reading his um, wife's book. It's called Love Lives Here. And it just um, – 
So good. Talks about loving without condition and loving where you are. And, you know, it has been a huge game changer for my life. And he's actually, Bob Goff's actually releasing a new book sometime this year. So I'm super excited about that because, you know, he has really, you know, shown me and taught me so much through those books about, you know, what real joy is like and joy not being in your circumstance and loving people no matter who they are, what they've done, because the Lord loved us where we were. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's really helped on my journey. So, um, yeah. And like I said, food, I like all food, especially sweets. My mom owns a bakery. So, um, I get to try all the new things, what? which can be dangerous, which is why I work out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> is, does she own a bakery in Columbia? No. Um, she, uh, owns a bakery here in Maiden where we're from. Um, it's called Lucy's, uh, traditional Southern. Okay, bakery. And she's got sweets. She's got savory, a little bit of everything, but when she, when she puts out something new, we get to be the taste testers. So that's always a plus. And we get free access to things. Go in there and grab a cookie or a cupcake or a brownie or something. And so, yeah, I work out because, you know, <laughs> it could get dangerous real fast. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, heard that. That is so fun. Maybe there's some listeners in Manning that are like, ooh, popping by tomorrow. Yes, please do. Fun. She would love Sweet. that. Yeah, tell her we sent you. <laughs> Heatherly, you have been such a treat to have on the show just to share your lowest lows and your highest highs and to be able to share that with us has been just a blessing. So thank you. And I hope that you feel um, so commissioned and that this cool platform, I think, will bring a lot of freedom and truth and joy beyond circumstance to all of our listeners. So I just want to honor you and thank you so much for your time today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really uh, appreciate, you know, you guys inviting me to do this and I'm always humbled and grateful to be able to share uh, my story with other people. So thanks for giving me the platform and opportunity to do that today. I have enjoyed it immensely. (laughs) What a victorious story. This is one that I'm walking away saying, hallelujah, he is better and mighty and willing to conquer everything that we ever would walk through in this life here on earth. I'm just so thankful and could not tell you how grateful I am to have Heatherly on the show to break the bondage that might be over us of fear, anxiety, bitterness, or resentment because he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and he will see things to completion when he starts them. Amen. Such good news. Like I mentioned earlier before we started this conversation, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling equipped and called to conquer the things in your life that might be holding you back from living abundantly. Not that you would leave this episode feeling heavy or discouraged. That's not my hope at all. So if you do or you are feeling a heavy spirit over yourself, I pray that that's broken in the name of Jesus and that you can go and find someone to share this good news with that he conquers all. You can find more about Heatherly and all the things that we mentioned in today's episode at our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. You guys are truly the best. Do not forget it, and we will see you next week.